0: Hello
1: and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for building happier habits into daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you should introduce a note of whimsy, and we'll talk about how a creative team can harness the power of the four tendencies. And one half of that team is our own Kristen Meinzer. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, and some might say happiness guinea pig, Elizabeth Kraft.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretch, I guess you could say I'm your lab rat.
1: <laughs> Elizabeth, I understand you have an update for us about your, your issue with your treadmill and your broken television.
0: Yes. So I have given myself a couple of demerits now about not doing the treadmill at home as I have been doing. Um, And it all started when our TV wasn't working. So I couldn't watch the housewives while I was on the (laughs) treadmill. And therefore, I just stopped doing it. And I had finally gotten Adam to have the guy look at the TV. And um, Adam was like, there was nothing wrong with it. And I, you know, it was fine. So I'm like, oh, I must be crazy. It fixed itself. <laughs> that happens. So I go and finally get back on the treadmill and start going, turn the TV on. It's broken again. So I stop the treadmill. I go get Adam. I'm like, look at <laughs> this TV is broken. You guys didn't look at it right. He comes in, turns the TV on, it's working. I'm like, am I insane? I, th- <laughs> I swear it wasn't working. He leaves again. I the, I turn the TV on. The TV's working. I turn on my treadmill. I start going. It doesn't work again. Uh, what I finally figured out was the TV does not work when the treadmill is going. Uh, so it was like this gaslight situation where every time I <laughs> I started walking, it didn't work, and then every time someone looked at it, it worked. So I don't know if it's an electricity thing. Adam, I showed him this and he's like, ah, OK, so this is oh. taking another level of like having to figure out what's going on. So that's the update on my treadmill at home. As a result, I still haven't been using the treadmill, which is not good. But now we know there's a, what the problem is.
1: Well, also, don't you feel a tremendous sense of vindication in that like now it's clear like why it would not work for you and it would work for other people? Yes. It's like yes. I am not insane. Okay. Yes.
0: So anyway, <laughs> that was just kind of comical.
1: Okay. The ongoing saga continues. How will Elizabeth get back on her treadmill at home? Stay tuned.
0: So, Elizabeth, this week our
1: Try This at Home is a really fun one. And it is to introduce a note of whimsy. about It's trying to engage in the world with a note of humor.
0: Yes. I love this. I love the word whimsy. It makes me happy. So, Elizabeth,
1: there were three things that in my head banged together to give me this idea of the power of whimsy. First was the lights on the Empire State Building because they change the lights depending on what's going on. Like it's red, green and gold for Thanksgiving. It's red, white and blue for Veterans Day. It's green in honor of St. Patrick's Day and the Masters. Red in honor of Valentine's Day. It's just this little note. Like you look at the skyline and you're like, oh, look, it's red for Valentine's Day. It's just this kind of fun little like inside joke that you see in the sky. Another one comes from MIT, and I learned about this Eliza when she was going through the college admissions process. So for regular admissions, most of the colleges say that they will announce by this day, no later than such and such date, but it's kind of ambiguous. Or they'll say, well, we'll let you know between these days. Mm -hmm. But MIT always announces on March 14th. Why does MIT always announce on March 14th? See if you can guess.
0: Uh, I have no idea.
1: Because it's 314
0: Oh, uh-huh. pie. pie for MIT. And I'm like, That's that funny. is so whimsical.
1: I love that, especially something like the college admissions process.
0: Well, and MIT, which seems like it would be the opposite of whimsical.
1: <laughs> I have like such newfound respect for MIT that it could po- kind of poke fun of itself in that way. And my final example of um, the power of whimsy was was something I've never forgotten, an interview that my father-in-law gave. And when the interviewer said, what was the nature of the meetings? My father-in-law said, the meetings were fruitful. And the interviewer said, in what sense were they fruitful? And my father-in-law said, in the sense that they were full of fruit. <laughs> and that just, and then just like moved on. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> um, that was just this weird note of whimsy, uh, which I've never. Again,
0: he's a pretty serious guy. You're not expecting him to. uh to be whimsical.
1: No, and I think there's a lot of reasons why whimsy is effective, why it lifts our spirits, why it makes unpleasant things sometimes more pleasant. And one is that you're kind of going against what people might expect. If people think that it's going to be serious, if you interject a note of kind of humor or poke fun at yourself, um, it just adds this sort of funny, unexpected layer of whimsy to life. And it's so
0: fun. Yeah, I love it. Um, I was thinking about my life, Gretchen, um, and I don't feel that I'm a whimsical person at all. I wish I were more (laughs) whimsical, but I do have one little note of whimsy, which is that I have started collecting these buttons, and I'll have to Instagram a picture of these. uh, Hashtag happier podcast. Yes. So there's these buttons and when you push them, they say funny things. So I have them at the office. Like
1: a button that a person would wear like on their jacket?
0: No, a button that like sits on your desk, Ah. more like a bell, more like a school bell, except Mm. for it's like a big plastic button. So if you want, I can push them for you and you can hear them.
1: Okay, let's hear it.
0: Okay, so this is for me to sort of push while we're breaking a story and like I wanna, you know, do something funny. Okay. Here's the first one.
2: That was easy.
0: (laughs) We'll do it one more time.
2: That was easy.
0: I love that one. So if we're like having a really hard time with something and then someone has a good idea, you could push that.
1: Oh, that's good. That's like a little uh, a little sound effect as you're going through going through the process.
0: Here's my other favorite one. (laughs) That's what she said. That's what she said.
1: That's very Michael Scott. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I have I have a couple more uh, at home. So uh, those are just my little fun things to keep myself amused at the office and others.
1: Well, listen, just like you have a button that lets you say that was easy as an interjection in conversation, I want to start saying things like, Winter is coming, or mischief managed, in my conversation, just for comic effect. I feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities for me to say that, to add a little whimsy.
0: So, and wait, where are those from? I mean, of course I know Winter is coming is from Game of Thrones.
1: Yes, Winter is coming is the motto of the Stark family. And it's always used to mean like sort of hard times are coming, we need to prepare. So it's sort of like if you you and Sarah were talking about how the fact that you are waiting to get notes on something You'd say, oh, winter is coming because it's sort of your doom is approaching.
0: Yes, exactly. And mischief managed
1: is from Harry Potter. Uh, Fred oh, and George. Right.
0: How could I forget Harry Potter? Yeah, mischief managed.
1: Yeah. Fred and George give the Marauders map to Harry and you tap the map to, and say mischief managed so that the map will disappear so that you don't get in trouble for having the Marauders
0: map. So when would you say mischief managed when you've avoided a bad situation? Yeah, Mischief Managed.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like, I dodged that phone call, Mischief Managed. <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use these too.
1: All right. Okay, this is 2018 resolutions on uh, a foot.
0: Now, one thing, Gretchen, um, in terms of whimsy that I have in my life is where I work. Because yeah. as you, you've been to the Disney lot now, and yes. you've seen there's many whimsical elements yes. to the Disney lot, like the Mickey Mouse ears, bike racks, the... Uh, um, hidden Mickey's all over the lot. Yeah. You know, the fact that the streets are called like Pluto drive. Um, so it's a, it's kind of just a whimsical place to be. So now I
1: think kind of trying to break down why whimsy is a happiness booster, I think one thing that whimsy can do is it can make kind of an imposing institution seem more approachable and like it has a sense of humor about itself. Like Disney is this big, impressive, intimidating company, and yet it's got its hidden Mickeys and MIT is this big university, but it's like it gets what's funny about Pi Day. Or if there's something that you want to communicate, whimsy can make it more palatable. So like if you want to deliver a message in a lighter tone, like you can post any sign that you want above the kitchen sink at the office with like trying to tell people to do their own dishes. But you could also just find the right Dilbert cartoon and put the Dilbert cartoon Mm. there. And probably the Dilbert cartoon will be just as effective, Mm -hmm. if not more, because that humor is a way to deliver it in a way that feels more um, acceptable to people.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of tricky because to, you know, introducing a note of whimsy is something you kind of have to think about. Doesn't just naturally happen. Uh, but even in thinking about it, it might sort of lighten your mood. And a perfect example
1: of this is a, like a uh, family rules. A friend of mine has this thing posted. It's it's her family rules. And the, and like she made this big poster and it's actually framed in their kitchen. And again, she put a lot of work into it and it's very whimsical. So it seems less heavy handed. It seems less bossy and annoying because it's very oh, funny. that's funny. It's labeled heinous infractions. So already it's kind of, so it goes through all the heinous infractions, which is like the dreaded undies, pants, tangle, leaving stuff in laundry pockets, leaving clothes where you took them off. It's going through all. And then at the bottom, there's this big skull and crossbones and it says uh-huh. penalty equals death or cash alternative. And so there's just a lot of things about it that make it funny. And so it's a way to remind everybody these are our family rules, but not in a way that's yeah. feels curt or bossy. It's more lighthearted. And that note of whimsy, I think, makes that's great. It, you can talk about it in a more lighthearted way. So let us know if you do try this at home and how introducing a note of whimsy works for you and exactly how you did it. Because like Alyssa said, I think sometimes it's hard to see how you would introduce that note of whimsy. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 146 for everything related to this episode.
0: Coming up, a color-related happiness hack right after this. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: So, Lisa, this is a happiness hack that came to us from Lee, and I love it because, as you know, I'm obsessed with color. Ever since we talked to listeners about choosing a signature color uh, in episode 71 and then in episode 75, I have been obsessed with color. Um, And this is a hack that is about tapping into color to find your way to the moment.
0: Yes. And it comes from Lee. Lee said, I was struggling with a difficult situation that seemed to be eating away at me. I got on my bike to think and reduce stress. The chatter was endless in my brain. 30 minutes into my ride, I realized not once had I come back to the present moment of where I was. I was so in my head that I didn't even really realize I was on my bike in the middle of beautiful scenery. No matter how hard I tried to breathe and take in my surroundings, I couldn't do it. Finally, I tried picking one color in nature and verbally saying the name of what I saw with this one color over and over and over again until I came back to my environment. When I exhausted that color, I would move on to another color. I started to calm down and get out of my head. I think whenever anybody is upset or hurting, they can live in a world of distraction. We can get so distracted we can't find our way back to the present moment. Simply identifying color wherever we are can bring us back and help us recalibrate our brains. It's a very basic exercise, but so simple.
1: I love this. I think, first of all, it's about tapping into the power of color, which of course I love. But it's also this idea that sometimes like you just can't master your own thoughts. You cannot master yourself and you need some kind of exercise or some kind of practice. And I think people have all different kinds of things that they use. But for many people, um, this is very concrete and it really does take you into your environment. Like it it was pulling her, her out of her spiraling thoughts and also helping her to connect with the beautiful nature. She was putting herself in nature, trying to connect, and she wasn't able to. And this was a kind of a bridge to both herself and the beauty of the outer world.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting how sometimes you're just so upset about something, distracted by something that even getting out and like exercising doesn't help, you know. So it's great to have like an added thing to add on to that. If you're really just desperate to get out of that, you know, vicious circle of obsessive thoughts.
1: Well, and by the way, Lee gets a gold star for no, saying like, oh, if I'm in a difficult situation that's eating away at me, I should get on my bike and bike around, get yeah. some exercise and look at beautiful scenery. So that was definitely like a smart move. But like you say, sometimes you need to throw every tool you can uh, into the mix because it really can be hard to become the master of your thoughts.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you could even do this, of course, like in your office. I mean, I'm just looking around my office and I'm like seeing everything that's red, you know, red folder, red chair, red marker. Yeah. Red words on the book. Like you could do that even just to get out of your head.
1: Well, the thing that I found because I am working on my little fun book, which I'm calling My Color Pilgrimage, it's like color is so beautiful. There are so many subtle nuances and there's the light and texture and all these things. And it's so easy to take it for granted. And you never even really notice what the colors are. And if you start to dial into that, You can make your visual environment full of so much beauty and pleasure if you just start paying attention to it. Like you say, in your own office, like you might not even have ever thought like, oh, my gosh, look at the beautiful red of that book cover. That is just like one of my very, very favorite reds. You might never have even noticed it before. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful way to connect to the moment. So thank you, Lee.
0: Thanks, Lee.
1: And now we're doing a combo. It's an interview and a four tendencies tip combined. And we are so excited to be talking to our own beloved Kristen Meinzer and Jalenta Greenberg here in the studio in Brooklyn today. Um, They are the co-hosts of the hilarious, thought-provoking podcast called By the Book. Uh, By the Book is kind of half reality show, half self-help podcast. So tell us a little bit about how it's structured.
3: So, Every episode follows me and Jolenta for two weeks while we follow a different self-help book. And we follow every single rule. We adopt the jargon. We do whatever it tells us to do, whatever we're supposed to eat, whatever we're supposed to wear. Anything the self-help book says we're supposed to do to improve our lives, we do it. and. Our poor husbands, our coworkers, everybody else <laughs> along the way yes. uh, is affected by this. And right. they're recorded also the during innocent, the process. The innocent bystanders. <laughs> yes. yes. And then um, in the end, Jolanta and I weigh in on whether or not we thought the book is, you know, life changing in a good or a bad way. Yes.
1: Yeah, some some good, some bad. And so just so people know where you're coming from, Kristen, when you're not co-hosting by the book, you're also our own beloved, brilliant producer. And you have many other responsibilities here at Panoply. And Jolenta, you're a comedian. You've, you're a contributor to the BBC, WNYC, Risk and a Moth Story Slam winner. Very yes, cool. yes.
0: Yeah. And some of the books you guys have discussed and I have listened to every episode. I love this <laughs> podcast. Oh, you guys are uh, so oh, thank supportive. you. I, I love awesome. it. Um, some of the books are "The Secret," "French Women Don't Get Fat," "Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up," "How to Write an Ebook in Less Than Seven to Fourteen Days That Will Make You <laughs> Money favorite. Forever." Yeah, and your season two has just started. Your first book is "Bored and Brilliant" by Manoush Zamarodi, who we love on this show. We've had her on.
1: Yeah, I'll post a link to the interview with Manoush uh, in the show notes.
0: So Jalent and Kristen, you've both taken the four tendencies quiz. You know your tendencies and you wanted to talk to us about how your tendencies lead to both fun and conflict in making <laughs> your
3: show.
2: Uh-huh. Both <laughs> of okay. yes. yes.
0: So Gretchen, we want to hear from you. What tips do you have for two friends in a business relationship who come at things from such different positions?
1: Right. So first... The big reveal. What are your tendencies? I just retook the quiz last night, and I am still a rebel. Okay. So, <laughs> so one of the things we know, if you're a rebel, then it's a very, very, very high likelihood that your partner, whether it's in work <laughs> or in romance, is going to be an obliger. Ooh. So does this pattern hold? Uh, Kristen. Kristen. Kristen.
3: It does. How did you know that? Yeah. How did yeah. you know that?
1: That's a very that's a very dominant pattern. When really? there's a rebel who's paired up, almost always it's with an obliger. Not but why? Well, and maybe this is part of what <laughs> would be interesting to you as you think about your work relationship. So obligers tend to have more affinity with a rebel, because upholders and questioners. Don't have much patience for a lot of the aspects of the rebel tendency. But obligers often like it because a rebel is like if an obliger feels like, why is everybody asking us to do this? The rebel's like, yeah, let's ignore it. We don't have to do what they say. (laughs) Or if the obliger says to the rebel, you know what? I feel like I'm just not going to go to work for a week. The rebel would be like, that's awesome.
3: Jolenta's done that. I I did that all the time.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. You know, whereas as and we should say Elizabeth is an obliger like Kristen and I'm an upholder, which is like the opposite of a
3: rebel. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you feel that sometimes happens in your interactions, in your relationship. You get that that vibe going. Yeah. Well, oh, totally. I,
3: yeah. And I am somebody who I'm kind of a workaholic. I yes. love to work. I work, 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 work. And anytime I feel like. I'm just pushing myself too hard, and I'm about to just throw my hands up in the air and say, that's it. Jolento's yeah. like, hey, just take a few days and not do anything. Mm. Right, right. So so that's the good side. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> also, she's super entertaining. Nobody's more fun or more exciting than a rebel, right? They're really fun people. Sometimes.
1: <laughs> Sometimes. Some rebels, depending on how it's mixed in with the other mm-hmm. aspects of their personality. Um, and, and so you were talking about something which is sort of... Edging up on Obliger Rebellion, which was an Obligers meet, meet, meet expectations, and then suddenly they snap and they're like, okay, this I won't do. Um, So that's like part of the affinity between Obligers and Rebels because Rebels Mm -hmm. really understand that impulse to just be like, you know what? This is over. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to follow through. So, Jalenta, what's your experience of working with an Obliger?
2: Kristen... Is obsessed with rules. Yeah, she's just obsessed with rules. Like some, I you know, we read the same material for for our work. We yes. read the same self help book, and we'll come back and talk about it. And sometimes it's like we read a different book. Oh, where she's like, well, we're not allowed to do this and that and Ooh. this. She's just all she sees is like the black and white, like. Hardest yeah. rules possible, and then she tries to meet those. Where I'm like, everything is nuanced. Oh,
1: that's interesting. So, you, you, so Kristen has a much stricter sense of what's expected, and yeah. you're able to sort of see the loopholes or like right the softening language when they're like, Oh, exactly, or, or, yeah. right? Yeah, right, right.
0: My question is if, um, does this cause conflict with you guys in terms of just making the show? like? I assume Ooh, Kristen wants to have exact recording dates and times on the <laughs> schedule. And does Jolenta like do you bristle at that and not want to have to have the next three months of recordings planned out? And then like, does it make you not wanna do it? Because you don't want to um, be
2: told what to do. <laughs> I am um, I guess my my trick or my workaround is I sort of ignore it Uh until like Kristen will plan out our entire season and send me like 500 calendar invites all at once Uh Uh and i just like don't read them i just don't look at it and i know like i know our general schedule and i like i plan my weeks like week to week and i look at my calendars and it's all there and like i sort of know what's happening but i pretend it's not set in stone Mm. until like the week of
3: whereas yes you guys are 100% yep. right. I do set up the whole calendar months in advance, <laughs> yes, huh? every single recording date, every single release date, every date yes. that we do retakes, every dates that we're supposed to be reading books. If we have an extension on a book because of a holiday, every single thing is accounted for, including which studio we'll be in. If it works with Cameron's schedule, that's our producer. Um, yeah. And one of the main reasons I'm like this is because when other people are counting on me… I step things up much higher than I normally would if... like I'm not like you, Gretchen. I'm not an upholder where I'm just going to do it on my own. Uh. But if I know other people are counting on me, I'm going to go all the way, go big or go home, including being very black and white about those rules and the books we follow, including putting the schedule together as strictly as possible. I will do everything because other people are counting on me and I want to do well by them.
1: So one of the things that that I often feel just from my own vantage point as an upholder is that sometimes it doesn't seem fair to me what a rebel obliger partnership looks like now but you should say for a partnership if it works for the people who are in the partnership it should No, you guys are laughing why are you laughing <laughs> we're
2: trying we're trying no I, I'm like it doesn't sound fair Cause I I talk, but it feel, like to me it feels like relatively fair, right? But like I could understand looking at us, you'd be like, Jolenta just messes around. Like, what is she doing?
1: I, I remember this one team. I talked to this founding team, a tech team, and one, one was like, well, you know, I do the big picture thing. I give the keynotes. I have the overall vision, and like I have the like if there's a big meeting with like an advertiser about where we're going, I do that. And then my partner, she does the stuff like the payroll, the HR policy following up with invoicing advertisers, you know, that kind of thing. I was just like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. huh? I mean, to me, it, 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 but the thing is, if it works for you, then it works. I mean, because every team has its own dynamic and everybody's bringing things to it, some kind of explicit, some implicit, as long as it works within the team. Do you, mm-hmm. do you ever find that it causes conflicts?
2: I'm trying to think. Sometimes... <sighs> Our balance is hard also because Kristen works here full time. Yeah, sure. And I'm a freelance podcast host right. with other jobs. So yes. also that balance in itself makes it difficult yes. where it's like, yes, this is my baby and this is like my main job, but I'm not in this office every day. Yes. I come in, you know, once a week, twice a week. We bang out our thing. I live by the books at home, take I, notes at home. And can
1: I just say that is very rubble and obliger too, because you've created an environment where every day is different. You're, yeah. you're like, you have many identities. Yes, like you're yeah. connected. You, you, you're connected to a bunch of different people. Every day is different. Whereas Kristen is showing up. In the same office with the same co-workers every mm-hmm. day. And so that is also very kind of rubble in a bunch. I didn't even think of that part. Yeah, no, yeah. I didn't think of yeah. that
3: either. But I did try to be a freelancer at one point in my life. And it drove me nuts. Mm. I felt constantly like, how do I monitor my own activities? Yeah. How do I stay on top of stuff? Am I going to have enough work tomorrow? I actually was like... I, rather than feeling freedom, I felt like I was trapped in a bad situation.
1: But but so mm-hmm. that's a good example with the tendencies. Like one environment works really well for you, Kristen, and you, Jalanta, might feel like very stifled. Oh or, yeah, you know yeah. you you would you would rail against it.
0: Now I want to point out, as a fan of the show, that if you guys do have moments of you know frustration with each other because of your different tendencies. That is what makes the show so good. It wouldn't be as good if you had two rebels or two obligers because you'd be coming Mm. at it from the same angle. It's that tension is an important part of the show. So it's like creatively... It's yes. working. So if you have those moments where it's not working logistically, just remember the bigger picture of the creative.
1: Well, and just you saw this sort of like working in one particular episode, the one about how to write the ebook in less than seven to fourteen <laughs> oh, days. Oh my where God. like Kristen's frantically rewriting <laughs> yes. write, rewriting the book twice.
2: She wrote two like yeah. full novels, right? Yeah. And you spent and you were like, I, I'm just watching Bravo. I watched TV for about a week and a half, and then like, but you got, a book. Then <laughs> you got it done.
1: Then you got it done. And uh, but so you both. So So it made a great show. You both got it done Mm -hmm. in your own ways. Right, right. In our own ways. And we
2: have, like, you know, we've sort of naturally broken into different roles on our show. Like, Kristen, surprise, surprise, loves writing down all the rules. The second she reads a self-help book, Ah. she distills all the rules in our script. It's like the first thing she does. I, on the other hand, (laughs) tend to get involved after our first draft. I do the whole retake script and write in all of our edits and all the Ah. things I want to change. So, I mean... For being a rebel, I'm also type A, like, when right. I care. No, 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 so, no, no, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, Rebels no. can do
1: anything they want to do. They can <laughs> exactly. any do anything they choose <laughs> yeah. to do. So they can, they can do anything. So
2: I feel like, but she, I love Kristen because she sort of let that naturally happen versus, like, here, I'm going to always do this. You right. always do that. Like, if that were the initial prescription, I would have freaked out and been like, I can't breathe. Like, I don't want to
3: do my part. Also, just, it just, it would feel somehow, I, I don't mean this as an insult, Jolenta. Oh, I almost feel it. like if I said... Jolenta, can you do this? No, 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 no. It would, no, make, no. You, it would don't, make you feel don't, really itchy yes.
1: if I asked you to do it. No, can't do it. Cannot do You're that. so bad. I know, that. I you know. Don't know. do that. I know. No, I well, wish you could. Every <laughs> rebel. When I write a, 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 an email to rebel, it always starts out, if it works for you, if this is convenient for you, if this sounds like something <laughs> that would be fun for you. <laughs> you gotta trick us every time. <laughs> well, this is so fun to talk to you guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, and before you guys go, I just have to weigh in on the great housewives debate. Cause yes, guys thank did, you. Because um, you Class with the Countess was one of mm-hmm. your books and Kristen was not a fan of the housewives. Class with the Countess is by Luanne De La who's a real housewife of New York and it led mm-hmm. to you guys having a whole debate about the housewives. And I just have to come down on Jolenta's side on this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love you. the housewives <laughs> and I don't you. love to hate them either. I love them. No. Mm-hmm.
2: So, I'm anyway, the same way. I'm
0: just I got, I had to weigh in on that. It's been it's 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 been on my mind. It's yeah.
3: okay, Liz. We can still be friends. Yeah.
1: Well, it was so fun to get to talk to you. A rebel obliger pair. And we're so excited for season two of Buy the Book. Very yes. exciting. Yes, thanks for coming by. Thanks Thank so much you. for having us
3: on the show, guys.
1: Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for demerits and gold stars, and this is an even-numbered episode, and that means you're up for a demerit. What is your demerit?
0: Yes, Gretchen, my demerit is, well, it started off as a gold star, which is that <laughs> I bought a new laptop, which I desperately need yes. because my laptop is so old that like I can't even support the latest version of Final Draft. Um, it's it's just crazy. Um, yeah. It's a dinosaur. Um So I bought the new laptop, but this was weeks slash months ago, and it is still in the box, like in the bag, in my office at home. And I just can't bring myself to start using it.
1: Well, listen, in episode 72, we talked about the happiness stumbling block of the incomplete upgrade. And I am here to testify. I have been in your house several times over the last months. yeah. And that bad boy has been sitting there yeah, in the box uh, yeah, for a long time. And sadly, the thing about an upgrade is the purchase is the easy part of the upgrade. The hard part of the upgrade is actually then integrating this new device into your life And I feel your pain. Absolutely. But I think you need to like get it out of the box and make friends with
0: it. Um, I know. And what's really bad is Adam is offered like maybe 10 times. He's like, just give it to me and I'll make sure, you know, it's, you can use it. Um, But I literally have not brought myself to like hand it to him. That's all I would have to do is hand it to him. I think it's, it's also mental of like, I'm just attached to my laptop. You know, yeah. it's like it feels almost like a betrayal to, um, you know, let it go.
1: No, I feel I kept a lot of my old laptops just because they do. They almost feel like pets. Yeah. I mean, they're like with yeah. you. They're, it's like your comfort object. Yeah. Like I, yeah. you know, um, I know exactly how you feel. And also when you have something new, like the idea is that it'll like be new and exciting. But actually, for me, it's a huge annoyance because it's like nothing's in the same place. You don't know how to do things. There's all these new questions that it asks you you don't know the answer to it's it's very draining to make friends with a new laptop but um i i think that time has come for you
0: it has so now that i've spoken it out loud (laughs) hopefully that will be the push i need Uh, hopefully tonight i will take the plunge excellent
1: i'm going to call you tomorrow and ask about that
0: (laughs) all right what is your gold star this week
1: Okay. Well, this is a related gold star. It's also technology. And many people will laugh when they hear this because they will be like, you call this a gold star? But listen, I know that you will think it's a gold star, which is that I backed up my iPhone onto my computer.
0: Oh, I de- another thing I desperately need to do.
1: Right. It was a major personal triumph. I did it.
0: And do you have it so that it continually updates now? Or, do you have, or are you just sort of like starting over? Like, will, will it back up automatically? now?
1: Well, see, see, the thing is, I use a PC, oh, not a Mac. Oh, right. So there's like a whole extra step there. It's not hard. Like they tell you, it's not hard, and I'm like, I know it's not hard, but I don't know how to do it. Right. But it won't automatically do it. Or maybe it would if I like plugged in my phone. But I don't usually plug my phone into my computer. So Got I'm in, I have like a new little ritual that I follow. And I was partly inspired, Alyssa, by what happened to you like a year ago now yes. when you lost your your pictures. Ugh, um, of course, it took me a year to get my act together, yeah. but. <laughs>
0: So well, I'm proud of you.
1: Well, thank you. So technology, it's great when it works, but it's not easy. So there you go. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Introduce a note of whimsy. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. I do love that. Try that, this at home, I have to say. I do,
0: too. Double thanks to Kristen Meinzer, both for being our producer and also for coming onto the show to talk about the four tendencies with her co-host, Jolenta Greenberg. And thanks again to Jolenta too. Their terrific podcast is by the book and it just started its second season. Yay. <laughs> As always, thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at gretchenrubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. And remember, it really, really does help us if you rate and review the podcast. If you have the time and the inclination, if you feel moved to do it, we really, really appreciate it. Or just tell people about it. Uh, The new year is coming, and people really do use the new year as a catalyst for self-reflection. We all want to be happier in 2018. And so if you know somebody who you think would benefit from the show or enjoy it, it's great to let them know in whatever way feels right for you. Also speaking of 2018, I have my 2018 Happier Page-A-Day calendar. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And the thing about calendars is, you know, they stopped making them in 2017. And so if you want a calendar, uh, go ahead and order it now because every year they run out of these and I get emails from people and they just only make so many calendars and then they don't make any more because they don't want to get stuck with a bunch of stock they can't sell. So if you're interested in a Page-A-Day calendar, be quick.
0: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft.
1: And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward.
2: That was easy.
0: If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place?
1: Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better.